Hello and welcome to the Automate and Delegate podcast. What should you not be doing in life, business, and building relationships? Every episode is high takeaway value with tips, tools, and stories you can implement today. Now to your host, Brad Stevens, lifetime entrepreneur, global speaker, and high performance expert. everybody. Welcome again to another episode of Automate and Delegate Podcast with your host, Brad Stevens, where we are all about finding ways uh, to make your life, your business, your relationships grow uh, using innovative tools and solutions. And as always, we kick off our episode talking about the latest addictive tool uh, that our virtual assistant um, that we work with, uh, Third in the Philippines, has uncovered. So Third, what have you got for us today? Hey, guys. So we have a quick tool for today, and it's named Thankster. So it's actually a thank you card generation tool that is designed to mimic a handwriting of a person. Um, I've received a thank you card out of an email or a social media. It's not just that impactful, right? However, if you receive something that's a handwritten thing, then it's a game changer for me. It's more personalized, more yeah. sincere. I guess. What do you think, Brad? Yeah, no, it's... Um... You know, I mean, the personal handwritten note is just something that, that we all would like to get um, from time to time, especially in the digital age that we're in. And, and we've all seen sort of these kind of crappy ones that don't look like they're sort of handwritten notes. Uh, but it's actually pretty, pretty authentic the way that it's done. Um, and so it's a, it's a great way, uh, you know, in your kind of your sales funnel, um, I think, to especially if you're doing email marketing and email blasts out, you know, for the people that actually click, you know, and engage and, you know, they're kind of moving towards the, you know, down the funnel of engagement. You know, you can export that list out um, and, uh, you know, and send them all, you know, kind of a letter uh, to kind of engage and, you know, have a written call to action or something in it. Um, is there any kind of, um, so as I'm writing is, what about graphics, uh, logos? Can you, is there anything you can do to kind of customize it? Yes, you can actually customize it. You can upload your own designs and they have predefined templates as well. So it's very easy to use. You can just select a card or a template, write what's, what needs to be in it and make it personalized. Then uh, you can import your contacts so that you don't need to key in them one by one. And what's good thing about this, Brad, is you can uh, integrate it with Zapier and Infusionsoft. So if you have already your infusion stuff going on for your CRM, then this would be a great tool to add on top of it. Yeah, that kind of adds to the automation. Kind of falls in line with our theme always. Um, and uh, yeah, so I know it works with Zapier. If any of y'all haven't seen that, it's another great tool that allows you to kind of connect softwares out there. Um, and we use Infusionsoft, and I know a lot, of, a lot of our users do, but, uh, but I think it does, it'll integrate with other you know, CRM platforms. You can actually set off a nurture sequence of someone getting an email, and then as long as you got their address and they're captured in the form, it can automatically trigger a card going out uh, you know, in a specific part of the sales process. So, well, cool. Well, uh, everybody check that out. Um, and I think it's like, I don't know, 3 to $4 a piece or something, like based on the number you do per month. You go to their website, kind of see all the pricing on it. It's pretty low cost. Um, yeah. But again, yeah. I would recommend doing it kind of the lower end of the funnel. What were you saying third? Something else yeah. to add? Yeah, I, I think it's all, it's only $2.88 per letter. Oh. And it's already a good automated tool than having spending your entire day writing 100 letters. <laughs> right? I know next time we have like a, a baby shower or something, we may uh, have yeah. to try that out as well. So awesome. Well, thanks for sharing. 
Well, we will, uh, and as always, you can go to automatedelegate.com forward slash tools. Got all kinds of tools that we share there. And yeah, we have partnerships with, with different companies, but it's only because it's ones that we you know, recommend and use every day. So we will uh, get on to our guest for today. Well, welcome again to another podcast episode of Automate and Delegate, fast, flexible, and smart ways to grow your life, your business, and your relationships, uh, and excited to share the journey with Ling Tran, who is on uh, the show with us today. He's got a really interesting story, and a lot of you maybe have navigated from corporate in the entrepreneurial world. He's going to be able to share some real insight into, into that journey. So uh, welcome, Ling. Thanks for being on. Yeah, thanks for having me, Brad. Absolutely. Appreciate the time. So um, as always, let's just kick off real quick and just give a quick snapshot of a little your background, who you are, and, uh, and what led you to what you do now. Sure. Sure. Um, well, I uh, started, uh, actually, I was in college for bio and chemistry. My, uh, I say my parents because it's more my parents wanted me to be a doctor growing up. And so uh, did the biochemistry thing, uh, graduated with that degree and um, passed out in the ER twice, Brad. <laughs> so I knew that med school, med school wasn't, wasn't for me. And so uh, I, I went off and volunteered for a year with AmeriCorps. And um, really just lucked out into meeting some people, moved to Atlanta. This was in the uh, 90s, uh, joined an investment firm and became uh, pretty active in the financial services industry for about uh, 15 years. Um, you know, during that process, went back to, to business school um, and, and beefed up my biochemistry background with uh, some economics. Um, but at the end of the day, you know, I kind of was always a, an entrepreneur at heart. And uh, about seven years ago, um, decided to go off on my own, not, not only for that financial independence piece, but also just to, to spend more quality time with the family, was tired of being on the road all the time, you know, missing, you know, the kids grow up and, and, and doing uh, some of the recitals, things like that. And so, uh, and, uh, and decided to invest in a, a mechanical contracting company, uh, which, you know, to me was an industry that was, that was ripe for disruption. Um, a lot of the workforce was aging, had never been exposed to technology. So, there was a there was a lot of chance for me to to kind of add uh, a little bit of a quote corporate flair to a very non corporate industry. Yeah, there's a lot that can probably use a little that polish from time to time. Yeah, so um, you know, with that mechanical contracting company, I mean, it's uh, it's something that I've been doing. I have no experience in it, so. You know, for for some of you listeners out there who may be contemplating making the jump, you know, I think that's uh, something I always tell um, some aspiring entrepreneurs is, you know, hey, it's uh, business is business. You don't have to have a background in it to 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 do really well in it. And I thought it was really interesting you shared with me before, sort of how you you know went about deciding you know kind of what industry to pursue. Um, you know, kind of had an open slate of what to pursue from an entrepreneurial standpoint, and you know just a high level kind of what was your decision making process for those of those that, that those that may be looking to make that jump. Um, what's the methodology? I know you're very systems and methodology logic driven individual. Sure. You know it, it's it's um, it's funny that you asked that, Brad, because you know when I started this journey of figuring out what industry to invest in, you know I, I ran the gamut, right? It was you know, first was, do I start something um, from scratch? And basically what I concluded was that I had already had a career and starting from scratch was just something that I couldn't do, um, you know, and still be able to support my, my, uh, my family. So I decided that uh, I wanted to uh, invest, um, buy in, partner up with a, an existing company that already had cash flow. And so as I was kind of looking at different companies, I was going through different business brokers, um, talking with a lot of people. Um, 
I reviewed financials for probably dozens, if not hundreds of companies. And, you know, as I kind of went through that process, um, some things kind of came to the surface that uh, ended up being my decision-making criteria. So one of them was I didn't want to compete against myself. And what I meant, what I mean by that is I don't want to compete against other uh, MBA students, other financial services. Rep. I wanted to, to, to be in a greenfield. So um, I decided that uh, the, the, the opposite from what I've been doing was to go from white collar world to blue collar world. So I knew that I wanted to get into a blue collar industry um, that was completely different than what I had been exposed to. And I knew that I wanted to get into an industry that um, had a future. So um, for instance, I didn't want to go into something that was uh, coal mining or something like that. Uh, right. I wanted to go into something that was uh, recession proof as well. And so um, something that uh, not only was recession proof, but couldn't be taken over completely by computers. And so that's why I uh, landed in the mechanical services industry. Everybody's always going to have to have things cold, at least for a while, until it all turns into space food. But that is a <laughs> something that's always exactly, going to be, exactly. be required, at least in the in the near term. And uh, and right. as we dive into some of your examples, I think it's going to be interesting to see what you've done in that industry to differentiate. Um, even though it is a, an old school blue collar type of uh, um, industry, there's some really unique ways from an automation and delegation standpoint to be able to kind of create a competitive advantage. Um, sure. Real quick before we jump into the meat, I guess just from a higher level standpoint, just sort of from a personal mission is kind of what's the, the bigger impact you're looking to kind of make from an entrepreneurial standpoint. And even with that venture, but I know you're kind of involved and I think invest in some others, but kind of what do you see as sort of your bigger picture impact that you're looking to have longer term? You know, I mean, one of the, you know, the, the big things that I get out of working um, in my industry is just really being able to kind of expose um, a generation of people who have had zero technology um, experience. I mean, interesting stat, you know, when we started onboarding some of our employees with a new system, we found out that about 80% of them didn't even know somebody with a desktop computer, which blew somebody? my mind. D didn't have access to one. So wow. um, to, to the point where we had to install one in our office just so they could come in and fill out their forms. And so, you know, for me, um, it, it, it's all about kind of connecting this generation, right, where, you know, no technology into technology. I mean, I get a lot of satisfaction in seeing some of my older guys um, with flip phones, you know, graduating to an iPhone and really kind of learning that, hey, you know, uh, using the Internet isn't just something that's different for them, right? If they enjoy bass fishing, they can search the Internet for great bass fishing locations and have a community for bass fishers. And, it, you know, I find a lot of uh, satisfaction kind of introducing, the, the, you know, the older generation to this technology. Um, but I also kind of have a lot of uh, – I enjoy meeting a lot of youth entrepreneurs, uh, kind right. of just mentoring that next generation of people who – want to go into business for themselves and are looking at uh, doing th different things. So I, I just enjoy working kind of with that, that next gen of, of people who want to um, not be corporate. Right. And I think, you know, we're in an entrepreneurial economy more than ever. You know, when I do a lot of speaking on this, I always talk about that book, you know, the fourth economy that Ron Davison wrote. And he talked about, you know, the agrarian economy, you know, the industrial economy, the knowledge economy, and we're currently in the fourth you know, entrepreneurial economy. And, and it's, you know, who can take advantage of the information that's available to them and do something with it. Knowledge is at our fingertips now. That's not the differentiator at this point. Um, so I think, you know, the, as you said, the, the bigger picture is some of these industries that are required, um, not a negativity to, you know, the 
the, the situation, some of these folks not having access to the technology, it's just been the nature of their, their job and they haven't had to be exposed to it. But a lot of these industries are finding that they, they've got to get caught up or they're gonna get left behind and it's a way to kind of keep them up to speed. So, well, fantastic. Well, let's jump into the, um, the meat here. And as we talk about, I wanna kind of dive into your specific ways that you automate and you delegate and I'm, knowing you and knowing the, the tools and resources, uh, even a man that has like a preset pack plan for every different two day, five day, seven day trip. That's something I always joke around about with Ling is uh, always have a plan for everything. Um, is look at kind of three you know, challenges that you're dealing with um, as it relates to either time challenges or, or financial challenges or knowledge challenges um, and how you're using any kind of automation and delegation and resource tool to overcome those. So um, what would you tee up as kind of one of the first kind of challenges you've navigated and, and how you've gone about resolving? Sure. You know, our, our number one challenge, um, especially, I mean, I can say this, you know, it, it's true for my entire industry. It's just recruiting. It's, it's having qualified people who know how to fix things. And um, I, I feel like there's a, an entire generation that has been missed um, you know, being our generation that just didn't go to the trade schools, right? So they don't know how to, you know, fix refrigerators. They don't know how to fix HVAC. They don't know how to do electrical, plumbing, things like that. And those are the things that computers, you know, are helping with, but are, are never going to actually do it. You're, I don't think we're going to ever see a computer unclog a toilet or fix a refrigerator anytime soon. So my <laughs> biggest challenge really has been, to, you know, how do I hire them? And, you know, th th that's kind of like, um, it's uh, it's, it's a really complicated issue, right? It's how do I find the people out there who are doing it, right? So that's one thing. Um, and then two, once you find them, uh, how do you best use them? How do you best create in a very efficient process? You know, similar kind of to the, to the medical industry, right? It's, you know, the, the, these guys who are, are fixing these things don't want to be mired in the paperwork and um, they want to be able to do their job. But at the same time, I have to be able to provide information to, um, corporate clients who want all sorts of data on the equipment and all sorts of uh, kind of metrics on what we're doing, when we're doing it, um, how we're doing it, um, you know, just basically the what, where, when, you know, and how right. of things. So uh, that's kind of been our biggest challenge. And um, that's where we've been able to, you know, utilize, use a lot of automation and delegation, you know, to really help our techs focus on what they do best. So, I mean, just can you give like one example maybe to kind of uh, just kind of clarify on, because uh, I, I can think a lot of people can relate to that exact type of issue. I mean, finding talent, particularly anything in, in, in the construction and otherwise industry right now with such a hot economy is very, very challenging. Um, so, sure. I mean, is there any example you could give there? Yeah, absolutely. So, um, you know, it, it, I say back in the day, but uh, unfortunately, there's a lot of companies today that are still like this um, that have no technology component to how they um, dispatch technicians out into the field, right? And so, um, you know, imagine a, a client, you've got clients all over the city, they're calling in saying, hey, I've got equipment that's broken, you know, send somebody out there, right? And so um, for us, you know, when I first came onto the company, it was you just send the first person that you call that isn't busy, right? Which is not very, um, it, it's not very efficient. So, um, you know, putting in GPS units, you know, installing it on their trucks, being able to see where they're at in the city um, and being able to, you know, to triage the different skill levels for these technicians has been um, a challenge, but something that has been, has been necess necessary for us, you know, similar to, you know, you never expect to have your, 
you know, your, your doctor be the one who's going to be checking you in or, you know, checking your blood pressure or, you know, asking you um, very, very basic vital questions like your birth date, your insurance and information, right. things like that. that. That's what we're trying to get off of our technicians, you know, and that, that's kind of where the automation and delegation comes into place is to, to put systems in where those technicians aren't doing the very baseline items that, you know, that they expect to get from, from those clients. Does that make sense? Yeah, almost kind of mean, you know, pre-wire the, the, the situation so that they can just go in and where their highest and best use of their time is, you know, and that's a lot of a theme that recurs through talking with, with guests and, and, you know, what we preach as well is it's, you know, it's trying to shift and to purify so that your people, yourself and your people, you know, they're waking up every day with their feet hitting the ground and, and focusing on the highest return on their time, on their competency, their skill set, and get everything else, you know, off, off the table for them. And so no, that's a great, sure. great example. Um, all right, so let's dive into to a second one. Is there anyone other specifically related to uh, either time or, or knowledge or um, other resource constraints, that, another growth challenge you've been dealing with? Honestly, that is the number one thing that we have. Uh, it's, it's automating uh, the recruitment process of the technicians. It's automating the ability for us to retain those technicians, right? Because the more, the more efficient that we get with uh, their time, the more um, pressure that they feel, right? So uh, a lot of things that I deal with is how do you implement a lot of this automation and delegation so that it helps them um, accomplish their job, not necessarily uh, be a way to uh, be big brother on them, if that makes sense. So, you know, what are the different types of automation and delegation that you can put in um, where you just won't scare them off and they'll just say, hey, you know, I'd rather just go work with this other company with less tech so that I don't have such a magnifying glass on me. Right. So, you know, that's the challenge is not only hiring them, but also retention uh, of those technicians. Gotcha. Yeah. I mean, you know, everybody feels like there's some data being collected on them around every corner, you know, some kind of retina scam when you walk into Walmart these days. I mean, it feels like there's not, not saying that's the case. That's not at all what's occurring. Don't know anything about that with Walmart, but just in general, you know, things are moving more in that direction. And so with staff, when you let them know, this is ultimately, you know, to, to improve the bottom line and to be able to grow the business and ultimately make a better situation for them um, of why you're doing, you know, what you're, you know, what you're doing. So um, how, yeah, how have sure. been some of those conversations, you know, you know, some of the pushback you've gotten, I know some of our listeners may be in businesses there, they're trying to implement this stuff. And as the owners, you know, we always come in waving the next thing that, that we know is going to make a big difference in our business. <laughs> Sometimes the staff just kind of roll their eyes. Oh, here comes Brad or Ling again with the next latest thing. Um, and what's, what's some of the dialogue you've had to, to get them on board um, to, with, uh, with all of this? I know you shared some stories of some people that had initial pushback and then fast forward, you know, they really start embracing and even start bringing ideas to the table. So what have you done to help, help push that through? Sure. Yeah, no, that's a good question. Um, you know, one of our biggest tools that we use are, you know, virtual assistants. Um, and uh, today they're an integral part of our business, but two years ago, um, th there was a lot of pushback because a lot of the virtual assistants that we used uh, automated and delegated a lot of tasks that our U.S.-based staff uh, were accustomed to doing. And um, it, it, it was interesting in the fact that, uh, you know, the, the first thing that we had to get over is that thought that using virtual assistants, using automation of uh, different tools, delegation of different tools, um, to them meant that they were going to lose a job, if that makes sense. And that was the biggest hurdle mentally to get over was, hey, everybody, don't worry about this automation and delegation of tasks. 
uh, we're getting some of those rope things off of your plate so that you can do a lot more high-end strategy and uh, you know, thinking about the business and working on the business instead of in the business. And, you know, that was a huge culture shift for us. Yeah, it's, it's, there's that big fear. And I know when I go and talk with groups about this stuff and, uh, and I tell owners, look, if you're looking to introduce anything new in, you need to first have a whole conversation with all your staff, unless the intent is to potentially replace some folks, is that, look, you know, I'm trying to elevate all of you to whatever your highest return on time is. And you know, this is in a, in an effort towards getting those things off your plate that you don't want to be doing. And it's a natural fear that everyone has. But if they can have that confidence from you that this is really what the intent is, and they start slowly embracing it. I think you were sharing with me before is it's just a matter of biting a little bit off and starting to do a little bit more and getting comfortable with it. And then they start really feeling empowered. And, you know, what's really interesting too, I find is, you know, a lot of times you, especially with employees or staff that have been with a company for, for a bit or even a short period of time is they have a lot of institutional knowledge in their brain about how the business operates that they never even get a chance to put on the table or talk about or aren't invited to sometimes. And whenever you can get, and they're just in the weeds keeping their head above water every day. And once you can get some stuff off of their plate so that they could actually have a little white space to think, it's amazing even what frontline employees can bring to the table because they've been in the business so long, they just have never had the opportunity to think about it or be invited to bring those ideas to the table. Um, I think you, you had some experiences like that. Oh yeah, I mean, I'll, I'll, give, you a, you know, I'll give you a perfect example, right? So, um, you know, our 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 billing can be super simple uh, for some jobs that take us a few hours to accomplish versus a job that takes us a year to accomplish. Right. And so, um, you know, our billing department uh, in the U S typically would, would do all, all those, all those billings. And so recently um, we got really far behind because we brought on a lot of customers really quickly and we couldn't scale up. And so one of the things that we did was we tried to automate some of our, our billing processes. So, a lot of the um, what I called one and two liner bills, right? The the line the, the bills that are super simple and they're only one or two lines because there's not very much description about it. Um, we try to automate and get those off of our internal staff uh, plates, and um, you know that was a that was a a huge mental barrier for them. But what I found was that it's it was amazing once those one and two liners were, were off their plate. That, that, those one and two liners were probably 20% of what was on their plate. And so once they got about 20% more capacity, they started thinking about all sorts of ideas that, um, you know, I didn't even have to bring up, you know, things like, you know, hey, Ling, I noticed that, you know, when we build these things out, some of our cost structure fluctuates um, weekly, but we only set the prices monthly or quarterly and we're losing money here. Uh, because the prices of things are fluctuating so, so much, so drastically, you know, with this extra 20% of time that I've got, I can actually reach out to our vendors and get more real-time information about what things are costing us, and I can update the, the automated databases with pricing um, weekly, right? And so, you know, for me, from a financial standpoint, that's fantastic, right? I mean, that's, that's worth tens of thousands of dollars based solely on the timing difference between when we set our pricing and what our real-time costs are. And that never would have been possible until we automated and delegated, you know, some of the easier tasks to get it off their plate. And, um, you know, interestingly enough, Brad, it's, it, it's not always about money. Um, I'll give you a perfect story of this is I actually gave a bonus out to um, a couple of our people for just finding great ideas, right? This was similar to, I think, uh, I think 
um, Boeing used to do this back in the day, back in the 50s and 60s, where if somebody came up with a brilliant idea, you'd get like a $200 bonus, right? Someone came up with the idea of, hey, if I, if I label each of these bins on a little spinner rack, I can build things a lot faster because all of my materials are you know, in the same place instead of just spread out on my desk, right? So that yeah. idea you know, earned that guy $500. What's interesting is I offered the same money to people who came up with good ideas, and I was really surprised by the pushback. Some of them refused the money um, saying, hey, I'm just doing my job. And so what, what, I, what I found was that, um, interestingly enough, people, there, there's, a, there's a demand to want to, to be better, right? To want to, to elevate themselves past, you know, just writing rote things down or, you know, accomplishing, you know, just repetitive tasks. I found that there's, you know, e- even with people who I thought enjoyed these repetitive tasks, what I found was that they, they really enjoyed um, contributing ideas on how to get things done faster or better. And that, that was kind of a big mind shift for myself as well. I thought it was all about the money, but I learned that it was a, a big part of it was just about being part of a, a, a bigger, um, kind of a bigger picture, if that makes sense. Oh, for sure. And I think that's, um, you know, there's this, uh, I've always been a big fan of like four disciplines of execution. A lot of people may have heard of like a Stephen Covey process. And um, I was working with this manufacturing company and suggesting, you know, those ideas. And, um, and it's, it's amazing whenever you can you know, take somebody's job that feels very routine and it's more than just going and repairing and, and hitting, you know, their, their eight hours, but they get to be a part of contributing to the bigger picture. If you just invite them to participate, it's amazing, you know, what they can, you know, bring to the, bring to the table sometimes and the other thing too is I think uh once they realize you know sometimes people I think are afraid to bring ideas to the table because that just creates more work for them right but once they know that you're committed to creating an an automation delegation kind of vehicle for those ideas oh sure I'll bring some ideas to the table I didn't know we had another way of getting it done aside from me creating more work for myself um yeah so I think both of those dynamics get in play for sure no I mean that's that's a huge point right because before it was Oh, I don't want to come up with another idea because I've got 10 other things I have to do. If I come up with five more, I've got 15 things. And for us to be able to automate and delegate, what I've told our staff is that if anything takes you more than five or 10 minutes to do and you do it every week, find out a way to automate it. Find out a way to delegate it to someone else. And, you know, you're using the virtual assistants and using this technology, uh, it helps us. You know, I tell everyone it helps us just fail as quickly as you can and fail cheaply, right? Cause the more re- more reiterations of A/B testing that we can do, um, the the better we can figure out what's what's the best, uh, you know, kind of the best uh, pathway to take. And um, you know, being being able to delegate helps my staff uh, kind of lose all the distractions that come up with daily operational issues. They can kind of focus on, you know, really the the big picture of what's happening, not you know, let me make sure I get all these bills out. Let me make sure that I get all these APs and ARs done. It's more of a, you know, why are they, why are we slowing down in wintertime? Why are we speeding up in wintertime? You know, why do we see these trends, right? It, it frees them up to think um, about things that have, honestly has, has always crossed their minds and has always said, hey, this is just, this is the wrong way that we've been doing it, but we've got so much work to do. We're just going to keep on just plowing through it because this is the way we've done it. And, and that mindset is starting to change. And that comes from leadership, you know, and I think that that's what's great about what you're doing is you're inspiring that, you know, from a leadership standpoint and inviting that. And most people are, tradi- you know, used to just keep your head down, do your job, you know, punch, punch the clock into the day and, and then not invited to participate in that. And so creating that spirit of engagement is, uh, is critical. And now all of a sudden, 
now everybody puts that through a filter in their head, it sounds like, from what you're sharing, is they, they're thinking about everything in terms of opportunity cost. Is, is this a good use of my time? You know, they're thinking about things in terms of leverage. Am I leveraging my time and our resources? And, and ultimately, the big theme, as I always share about, is it's positioning companies for agility, um, which I think is probably the most critical word in, in our current day for any business, any entrepreneur, is are you agile? Are you in a place to respond quickly when you know, the Uber of your industry hits the taxi industry, and, you know, are you left and positioned? And, and when you're thinking in these terms, it allows you to respond quickly as needed as market conditions in today's world can change faster than, than ever. So um, sure. no, that's fantastic. This episode is sponsored by Outsource Access, the choice for entrepreneurs, small business, and busy professionals for highly talented and affordable virtual assistance and outsourcing needs. Visit outsourceaccess.com slash learn to learn more and use code automate to get $100 off their signature and risk-free assessment process. Well, let's, um, I know we talked about a lot of business and we'll kind of close out on, on another kind of automation and delegation just on maybe on a, on a personal kind of level because I know there's all kinds of kind of growth hacks and strategies just from our light conversation before on it um, is maybe share a, a fun kind of insight on uh, how you automate and delegate on the personal, maybe with your family or travel or something that, uh, and or a specific tool that you use would be helpful for everybody. Um, yeah, sure. Let's see. I'm trying to think here. What would be a, uh, I'm trying to think, do you have a specific example, Brad, that I've popped to you in the past that, 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 that strikes you up or anything? I think even you were talking about like, even with, um, with your girls and even doing like, like homework, like even the process that you kind of put in place there that's really worked well um, with just, just mindset and approach towards, towards helping and supporting them in that. Oh yeah. No. So, you know, I had, um, you know, a daughter who started middle school this year and just, you know, was really uh, challenged with um, kind of just the influx of, of, of homework. And I think that, uh, you know, it's, it's less of a, a tool, so to speak, but more of kind of an automation and delegation kind of mindset where, uh, you know, she does everything now the same way uh, every week, right? So every Sunday she prints out her entire calendar for the week, you know, with all the homework. And she knows, you know, the homework that she has to do, you know, she's in competitive dance. Uh, both my girls are in competitive dance. And so they're able to, you know, they have to, um, they have to uh, be able to, you know, basically juggle homework as well as four days of dancing out of, you know, five weekdays, you know, and their dance goes to like nine thirty. So I almost feel like they're busier than I am, right. They've got a full-time school gig and then they've got, you know, dance all the way after that. So, you know, the way they automate it is they're just, they're just using, um, you know, calendaring programs. I'm introducing them to, you know, different to-doist lists and just different ways to kind of structure their schedule. They use technology, um, insanely with, uh, keeping up with their homework and um, with just tracking, uh, you know, metrics of how they're doing on their. What tool are they I mean, using? You, Can you share what, what tool you're talking about as far as a calendar? Yeah, they're using, they're using uh, something that their school uses called RenWeb. Um, it's probably oh. pretty specific to, uh, to uh, uh, a lot of schools use it, but basically it has their school calendars, their homework calendar. And what I love about it is that it, it literally gives them real time feedback. It's almost like a dashboard for kids, right? Where it tells them when they've uh, turned in their, homework when they've what the, what their grades are on their homework and what's interesting is right we, we've always had graded homework growing up as a kid but this way there's literally a dashboard that says okay these topics that you've scored this score on on your homework these are the notes that you've turned in um, I mean I literally can tell 
exactly when there's a hiccup in, in, their, in their process so that when they're studying for an exam at the end of uh, a month or at the end of even two weeks, I can literally look at their, their dashboard and say, hey, it looks like you had trouble with these two topics out of 12. Maybe why don't you spend a little bit more time on those two things? So it's, uh, you know, sh she went from, um, you know, re really having math being her like worst subject uh, and just, you know, basically crying about it um, to it being kind of one of her, I mean, you know, it might be her best subject now just because it's so process driven about here's what I do. I look at my notes. I look at my notes. I review my notes. I look and see what I did wrong in my notes. I look and see what I did wrong in my homework um, and just kind of systematize, um, you know, once they figure out what they've done wrong, they kind of put in their calendar saying, okay, I think I'm going to work on this next. Um, and, and it's been kind of amazing. I don't know if that's mind blowing for anybody, any parents out there, but uh, I've never thought that I would ever see a sixth grader um, have a schedule that was literally as packed as mine. You know, uh, <laughs> well, on, kids on these phones. days are getting busier than ever, right? I mean, it seems like you know, even to get into, uh, you know, from an undergrad standpoint, you have to produce a TV show and save the small nation before you know you're a senior in high school, and um, and it, you know, there's just a lot going on with kids these days, and so it's you know, the tools and resources that helps them to organize what, what they're doing, and, and they want to be active and involved. And as parents, you know, I've got a little three year old, so I'm not quite there yet, but um, you you want them to be involved and experience new things, but not to be too overwhelming, and you know. It, it, I mean, people feel uncomfortable sometimes sort of business-sizing sort of their personal life. But frankly, I mean, a lot of the things that we do in, in business and processes to make businesses run successfully, you know, do translate on the home front as well. You know, it's got to be done in the right kind of way, but it absolutely can, you know, connect. I mean, just my wife and I, like, we literally have a, a Sunday agenda-driven meeting, which I mentioned on this podcast, you know, just like you have a weekly meeting sure. with staff. We sit down. It's a chance for us to really have agenda-driven, make sure we haven't forgotten anything for the week, and it just creates way more peace in our household versus us forgetting about, and, oh, did you book the travel? We're going to visit your family in Michigan. Did you do that? Did we do that? You know, we get a chance to really bring it all together, and the you know, same thing you do in business, so it sounds like the same translation. No, absolutely. I mean, I think with kids these days with technology that they've got at their fingertips, you know, it's up to us as parents to teach them how to, you know, manage kind of their lives now, because I think it's going to directly manage. I mean, I, it, I don't even know how complicated life's going to be, you know, 15, 20 years from now. Uh, but, uh, you know, right now, at least they're getting kind of the, the fundamentals down, uh, you know, in terms of scheduling. Um, I, I think a lot of things uh, that happen with scheduling is just being able to to make the decision on what you can't do, right? So if you want to do this, that means you can't do that. And I think having that, uh, having kind of that thought process instilled in kids very early is, you know, a, a very healthy, healthy um, thing for them to, to experience at this age. Yeah, no doubt. It's got to start early. And just one cool, because I, I remember just because I remember you sharing this before, and I've told so many people about it, is, um, you know, we're all dealing with kids and navigating the internet and protecting them and making sure that they're not going the wrong places. Um, weren't you the one that told me you guys use Disney Circle, I think, for home, for like your Wi-Fi, that kind of controls that yeah. experience? I think that'd be really valuable for folks that haven't heard of that. Yeah, no, so the Disney Circle, we, we, we have, uh, uh, you know, obviously a regular router in our, in our, in our um, house, but we've attached the Disney Circle to it, which anytime a, a device jumps onto our internet, it tells me that it has been, and I can able, I'm able to filter it. I can put it on a kid's account or on a, an adult guest account. That really kind of filters out adult websites versus uh, not. Uh, the other thing that Disney Circle allows me to do is it allows me to set time limits on web pages as well as, um, as, well as different websites like Netflix or YouTube. Um, gotcha, Apple right. iPhones, yeah, Apple iPhones, they, they have it with something called screen time right now, which works great. But screen time only works on Apple devices, and what the Disney Circle does is it allows me to control, you know, all their devices, no matter what it is, down to, you know, the Alexa 
uh, you know, the Alexa kind of box on their, on, you know, that they use yeah. or, uh, their laptops or whatnot. So anything that's connected, um, and, and quite frankly, it just gives me a good chance to, to be able to disconnect them right on the circle. I can just hit pause and it just, you know, crushes all internet connections across whichever <laughs> devices I want to crush. So uh, if I need them to get some chores done or get some homework done, that's, that's one of the easiest ways to do it is uh, you don't even ask. You just kill the internet and they know, they know what's going on. That's awesome. Yeah, I think that's a great, that's a great tool. Cause I mean, as you know, again, mentioned having a three-year-old and sort of what in the world does it look like for her and when does she get social, you know, accounts and when does she get a phone and all of that. And I really liked that that was a tool. I mean, Disney's in our life everywhere, right? Whether it's socks or, or, or lunch boxes or movies. And so uh, it's kind of cool. They developed a program to, to help on that as well. So well, awesome, Lee. Well, thanks so much for your time. I really appreciate it. Some great insights um, and kind of your journey from the corporate world, to entrepreneurship, and and how you're really disrupting an a, a industry that uh, that is getting some some insights and some tastes from the technology standpoint that they never experienced and the impact it's having on staff and uh, a great little insight on the personal front as well. So, um, well, as always, just close real quick is from your experience thus far from an entrepreneurial standpoint is if you could just you know, share what is one characteristic that you would say is most crucial for being successful as an entrepreneur and, and why? You know, I think you brought it up earlier. It's uh, being agile, right? It's about being able to pivot whenever the market changes, whenever there's internal changes or whenever there's external changes, you know, nothing is ever static. And I think that, you know, the more that we can build our automation and delegation to kind of um, uh, roll with the punches, so to speak, you know, the better off that you're going to be in business, right? Every, every plan changes five minutes after I make it. And, you know, the, the, more, I can, the more I can make it uh, uh, fluid, the better. Absolutely. Now, I, and unfortunately, you know, I wish the world would slow down a little bit sometimes and uh, back it up where we didn't have to be quite as on our toes. But, you know, it's just the, the nature of what it is. It brings a lot of excitement, a lot of things and advancement, but, but also uh, create a little stress along the way. So having a, a mindset of agility is pretty, pretty critical. So, well, fantastic. Well, appreciate you uh, being on the show and um, we'll look forward to hearing the, the ongoing progress as, as you guys move forward and uh, hearing the successes. Um, so if there's any Anyway, anybody would kind of check out what you do or have need for services, where, where could they go? Uh, it's www.advanced-commercial.com. Awesome. Well, appreciate it again. Thanks so much for being on the show, Ling. And um, until next time, everybody, that is going to be our closing note on this episode of Automate and Delegate, Fast, Flexible, and Smart Ways to Grow Your Business, Your Life, and Your Relationships. We will see you next time. This episode is sponsored by Outsource Access, the choice for entrepreneurs, small business, and busy professionals for highly talented and affordable virtual assistants and outsourcing needs. Visit outsourceaccess.com learn to learn more and use code automate to get $100 off their signature and risk-free assessment process.